0: This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. Welcome back to the Relic Radio Show, your weekly hour of radio drama. New episodes every Tuesday at RelicRadio.com. And while you're at that website, if you'd like to help support this and all of the Relic Radio shows, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes all of this happen. Thank you very much to those who have helped out and have helped bring you today's show. We're going to start off with the six-shooter and hear Aunt Emma from April 1st, 1954. After that, it's Suspense. And Catch Me If You Can from February 17th, 1949. (laughs)
1: In a moment, you'll hear James Stewart as the six-shooter. Just one of many fine programs brought to you each week on NBC. Tomorrow night, there's top comedy entertainment with the Bob Hope Show, the Phil Harris, Alice Faye Show, and Can You Top This with Senator Ford. Bob Hope delivers rapid-fire comedy routines, while Phil Harris and Alice Faye bring both mirth and music. It's a great Friday night lineup of comedy programs. All of them heard only on NBC. James Stewart The NBC Radio Network presents James Stewart as the Six Shooter, a transcribed series of radio dramas based on the life of Britt Ponson, the Texas plainsman who wandered through the Western territories, leaving behind a trail of still-remembered legends.
2: This
3: was my first trip into Powder Creek for, oh... Three months, I suppose. Working the spring roundup for Bar Y had been keeping me pretty busy, and there hadn't been any special reason for coming to town, but I figured it was about time to make an appearance. Scar's saddle was showing a lot of wear and tear, and, well, my own outfit didn't exactly look like it, it had just arrived fresh from the mail order house. Pants were getting a little thin around the seat, and there was a pretty big hole in the sleeve of my jacket. I'd tried to patch it up, but I hadn't done a very good job. So I. Left Scar at the livery stable and headed over to Ethan Green River's general store. I'd get another jacket, a new pair of breeches, shirt or two, and I'd probably be able to find out what's been going on in the town while I was at it. Ethan usually managed to keep up on the latest Powder Creek happenings. Well, the store hadn't changed much. Everything seemed to be about the same. And Ethan, he hadn't changed much either. He must be almost 65 by now. He sure didn't look that old, though. Standing there by the pickle barrel, munching on a great big fat juicy dill.
4: Howdy, Ethan. Well, well, well. I've been wondering when you was going to honor us with your presence, Britt. That's that so? Yes, sir. I was remarking about you just this morning. Do, Miss Bennett, when she come in to get some yardage for a new dress, I said to me, it's been about time for the six shooter to be coming into town. He's sort of overdue, I said. Overdue? Well, what are you talking about, eh? Well, there's mail for you, for one thing. Letter. Uh, somebody in uh, Topeka, Kansas, from the looks of the envelope. No,
3: oh, must be from Aunt Emma. She lives in Topeka. Oh,
4: she does, eh? Well, you're Britt. bit. According to the postal rules, I should have sent it back when you didn't show up, but I figured I could stretch your point. <laughs> Well, ain't you going to read it?
3: Oh, oh, sure,
4: sure. Let's oh, see, oh yeah. my. Oh, that pickle, sure is bitter. Mm. Good. Must have got too much vinegar mm-hmm. in this batch. Mm-hmm. You know, too, I ain't very fond of dills anyhow. If you don't know mm. why I keep let's on eating
3: see, them. Go. Holy smoke. Hmm?
4: You want something to matter, Brick?
3: Holy... Oh, oh, well, it's a letter from Aunt Emma. She's... She's, she's coming out here to Powder Creek. Oh, going to
4: pay you a little visit, huh? Uh, well, now,
3: ain't that nice? No, it's more than Ooh. just a visit, even. Oh. No, no, she's figuring on settling down here.
4: Well.
3: She, she aims to make this her home,
4: look. Uh-huh, well, there's, there's lots worse places a buddy can live.
3: No, no, but she expects me to live with her. She's She says she's going to keep house for me.
4: Well, Holy now, smoke. that's real considerate of her. Well, you'll consider it, no, indeed. Uh,
3: no, but I appreciate her, her wanting to look after me, but oh, well, doggone it, Ethan. Now, you know I couldn't settle down, not permanently. I'm used to traveling around and living alone and bunking wherever my fancy strikes. You, you know, know yeah, that.
4: Sure, but uh, maybe it's good for you to take root someplace, huh? You, you know what they say, Britt. Rolling stone gathers no moss. Living alone does have its disadvantages. Oh,
3: too. well, now, you're a fine one to talk well, oh, yeah. I haven't noticed you making any effort to acquire a
4: family. Oh, now, look here, I'm a lot older than you are. Too old to change my ways. But you're still a young buck. You ought to be sort of a uh, pliable act. Yes, sir, I think you ought to take your aunt up on this here offer. Of you don't think anything of
3: the kind, yeah, you No, you do not. You're just trying to get my goat, that's all. No, I know you. I'm, well, I'll just write Aunt Emma tonight, and I'll thank her for what she wants to do for me. I... But I'll just explain. I, I, I'll, I'll just I, I, explain I, I, to her and tell her... I,
4: I kind of hmm? doubt that a letter would reach her in time to hit her off for you. What? Yeah, yeah, that one she sent you has been here for several weeks now.
3: Oh, yeah, well... Well, I guess I'll just send her a telegram, then. That
4: line out of Powder
3: Creek is still working. Oh, it? yeah,
4: yeah. Ain't been a single breakdown lately, not since them Apaches headed south back into their own territory. Yeah, well, that's what I'll do, then. I'll telegraph uh, her. Well, I um, kind of doubt that a telegram would do much good, either. Huh? we have seeing as how your Aunt Emma's is already in powder Creek.
3: Yeah, well, I'll send her one anyhow. Anyway.
4: I, 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 <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, sir. She got here a week ago last Tuesday. Come in on the same I've rung a whole load of furniture, too. Well, now, hold on, Ethan. Now, you're not serious. You're joking. Well, I'm no, I'm not. Just you take a stroll over to the old Mac Dennis' house. You know, on the corner behind the bank? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, yes, sir. Your aunt rented the place right after she arrived. Must be all moved in by now. Well, I
3: just don't know what to say.
4: I understand she's got your room all fixed up waiting for you. My room? Well, that's what she's here for, ain't it? To look after you.
3: Well, I don't need
4: any looking after Well, maybe you. not. Maybe not, but it appears your Aunt Emma's got other ideas. Seems to be a real understanding, lady, though. Says it's all right for you to keep Sky if your heart's set on it. She, to keep Sky? What? Well, she probably don't care much for horses herself, you see. Now, you just listen to me, Ethan Green River. I'm
3: not going to live here on that... What a! I mean, I never asked Aunt Em to go... She shouldn't take it upon herself to without my... With
4: hey, the old Mac Dennis house, you said. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that's the one. Ain't very fancy, but from here on, it's uh, going to be home sweet home. Hey, Brit? Mm, I'll just see about that. <laughs>
5: For goodness sakes, how you've grown, Britt. Oh,
3: no, no, Aunt em, no. I am now. I had my full growth the last time you saw me. I, I was twenty five years old. Well,
5: now it seems to me you've shot up some since then. <laughs> oh. Not much flesh on you, though. That is, you're just plain skinny. Well,
3: yeah, well, I reckon being so tall would make me a little thinner than I really am, you know, sort Our of peer to be.
5: father was just as tall as you are, but he must have been a good 20 pounds heavier. Yes, ma'am. Yes,
3: ma'am. Oh.
5: Well, we'll put some flesh on those bones of yours. A couple of good home-cooked meals, and you'll start filling in. I... yes, yes. You will. Uh... You like the house,
3: Brit? Uh, yes. It seems real comfortable.
5: Well, I haven't quite finished unpacking yet, and some of the big pieces have got to be moved. I was waiting for you to give me a hand.
3: Yes, I'll be glad to, Ann.
5: Your room's right over there if you want to take a look at it.
3: Oh, uh, well... Uh, so
5: go on, Britt, I... go on. Oh, you needn't be afraid I fixed it up real frilly or anything like that. Oh, no,
3: no I wasn't worried about that.
5: I... Well?
3: Uh, oh, uh, it looks fine. It's just fine.
5: Just take a good feel of that bed.
3: Hmm. Oh.
5: Yeah. I bet you don't get a soft mattress like that in the bunkhouse where you been sleeping. I.
3: Uh, yeah. No. No, we sure don't. I'm uh,
5: working on a patch quilt for it. Started before I left Kansas. Expect I'll have it finished up in a week or so. Well. Well,
3: <laughs> uh, Adam, uh, before you go too much trouble.
5: Yes. Rick? Uh, you
3: see. You see, I I didn't know you were coming to Powder Craig. Uh,
5: yes, Mr. Green River told me you hadn't been in to pick up my letter. You must have been kind of surprised to find out I was already here. I was practically
3: flabbergasted, yes. I. Uh, whatever made you decide to come west? I'll honestly. tell you
5: all about it while I'm fixing supper. Come on out in the kitchen.
3: Uh, uh, yes, ma'am.
5: Oh, shucks. I was going to have a real fancy meal for you first night in your new home. But you didn't give me enough warning. So I'll just have to warm up yesterday's pot roast, if that's all right. Oh, there's nothing I like better. Oh, there's some potatoes in that sack. Would you mind stealing a couple of them for me? No,
3: not bad, not bad. Right here. Can
5: I use this pan. Oh, oh, there's yeah. The there's in the drawer beside I... you. Oh, oh, this Oh, no, one? not the butcher knife, yes. Oh. Here, now, this one. Oh,
3: I see. That'll be better.
5: Well, now, uh, about my coming to powder crisp bread... Uh, I I just felt it was my to duty.
3: You, ma'am?
5: Well, you see, Carrie got married last February.
3: Carrie?
5: My youngest girl, your cousin Carrie.
3: Oh, 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 cousin Carrie. She yeah. was
5: almost 30. And I was beginning to wonder whether she'd ever get a... Well, she finally found herself a real nice man. Yes, he works for the Santa Fe Railroad Company. Oh, got me a train ticket at half price.
3: Uh-huh, is that so? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: Well, anyway, after she left home, that meant my family was all taken care of. My immediate family, that is. Uh-huh. And then I got to thinking about you, my only brother's son, all alone with nobody to look after you.
3: Well, I've been getting along
5: all right, Addie. Now, don't you try to tell me that. If ever I saw a man that needed a woman to take a hold of him, why, those clothes you're wearing are a disgrace.
3: Oh, yes, these are. Well, I was going to buy some new ones today. Well, if they was
5: washed and ironed and mended proper, you wouldn't be needing new clothes all the time. A wife. That's what you really ought to have. But I suppose you're like the rest of the ponsets. Put off everything until the last minute. Mm, well, I... Oh, go with it alone. is expensive, Fred. Oh, I not saying the two can live as cheap as one. And I don't want you to get the idea that I expect you to support me.
3: Well, it's never even crossed my mind. Oh, no,
5: indeed. I've still got some of the money your Uncle George left. And my boys both send me a little bit from time to time. <laughs> I don't imagine we'll have any finance problems, Fred.
3: Well, you see, Aunt Em, I'm signed up with the bar Y. And I'm sorry, but I, I just can't very well stay on here in town with you. Oh?
5: There are other jobs besides ranching.
3: Well, it's about all I'm good for. Oh,
5: it'll stay. I've had a talk with Mr. Allington at the bank. He says he'll give you a position the minute you say the word.
3: Oh, but Pete, uh, me, what, in a, me working a bank? Oh, no, I am, I, in a bank, oh. I wouldn't know the first thing about it. Oh, well, now,
5: that don't seem to bother Mr. Allington. He was real pleased at the idea. Said it would probably cut down some of his losses, having you as an employee. Ooh, what's the matter, Britt? Oh, okay.
3: Sort of nicked my finger a little bit. None, sir. Oh, here,
5: here, just... you can use this piece of rag for a bandage. It's clean. Oh, no, well, Annie. You I'm don't right. want to get blood poisoning, do oh, you? No, Go ahead all... now, tie it on. All right, all right, all right, all
3: right.
5: Then you'd better let me finish those potatoes. Well, you're appealing them. There wouldn't be enough left to cook.
3: Well, uh, see, what I'm getting at, Aunt Am, is, well, I'm not the stay put type of man. I'm sort of used to being on the move.
5: Understand? Britain, Princess, it's high time you lit someplace. Oh, I've heard about you and that gun of yours all the way back to Kansas. It's a wonder to me you haven't been shot up half a dozen times by now. At least those stories folks tell are true.
3: Well, the stories probably did some growing on their way east.
5: I'll bet I know one thing you don't. They've even got a title for you back there. Oh? Mm-hmm. The Six Shooter, that's what they call you. No. As if the name of Ponset wasn't good enough. Huh. Well, don't you feel too bad about it, dear? After we live here in peace and quiet for a spell, everybody'll forget all about those escapades of yours.
3: Uh huh. Now, Aunt Emma, there's just something I've got to explain to you, and I, I want you to understand that oh, I. Oh,
5: ex- I know what you're trying to say. You think I'm making a big sacrifice. In and coming here and setting up a home for you—no, oh, no, no, not it's exactly. no sacrifice. It is. no, indeed. And it's—it's it's not just a feeling of duty either. The plain truth is, I—I I wanted to come. Oh. Uh-huh. It's kind of hard to put into words, but well, after George died, I still had the children to keep me busy. But now, now there's no one—no one but you. I guess I'm the kind of person that just has to have somebody to worry over. Must be my nature. And I'm only sixty, Britt. I ought to be able to run a house for a good ten years yet. The sits are long-lived, as a rule.
2: Oh, sure, sure. Then. So
5: I, I just don't know what I'd have done if, if there hadn't been somebody I could be of use to. Uh, I guess you're kind of a godsend, Grace. It looks like I need you more than you need me.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I reckon we both need each other, I and... am. I made out about as well as could be expected that first night I stayed with Aunt Emma. I wasn't exactly what you'd call comfortable. The bed was too darn soft, for one thing. And it wasn't easy getting used to having another person around all the time. leastways least ways that... It wasn't easy getting used to Aunt Emma. Oh, I... I knew she had my best interest. Brett in
5: Ponsett, you eat the rest of those turnips, they're good for you. And that... Oh, before I forget it, don't you think you ought to see about getting a haircut? It's hanging way down the back of your neck.
3: And whenever she asked me to do something, well, I I sure didn't have any right to object. They were things that had to be done. They'd
5: and be done. Uh, a sack of flour, a spool of number 60, white thread, and some empty fruit jars. I think I'll put up some of that rhubarb out in the garden. Looks real nice to me.
3: And as for the advice you gave me, well, it was probably good advice. It was well worth listening to. I,
5: I just don't, don't see why you can't try working at the bank, Brit. If you don't take to it, you can always quit. I'm not saying that you have to keep on with it for the rest of your life.
3: Well, after a week, I knew that I couldn't go on much farther. So, and when Dan Porterfield came in, I told him I'd be back to the ranch by the end of the month. But I sure didn't know how I was going to manage it. I just, uh, I just couldn't leave Aunt Em, not without hurting her. She, she just needed somebody like me to fuss over her, and and uh, there wasn't anyone else who seemed to fit the bill. At least nobody.
4: Please. Nobody I could think of right off hand. Here's the last of it, Britt. Coffee, salt, bacon, good material. It's all in it. Yeah, that's all, Ada. <laughs> I'll say one thing. You sure surprise me, Britt. I don't see why. Well, I do. I figured you wouldn't stay on with your aunt not more than two, three days at the very outside. <laughs> but by Jiminy, it's it's over a week now, ain't it? Oh, no, it hasn't been a week, but it... Oh, it couldn't be that long. By George,
3: <laughs> it is a weekend. Well, the time sure does fly when a man's contented and satisfied. You know? Huh? Ethan, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You you remember the other day when you first told me Aunt Emma was in town? Mm, sure. Well, sure. now, the, the truth of the matter is I was kind of
4: upset. I... I didn't exactly welcome the idea. (laughs) It ain't no secret, Britt. I guess I know how I'd feel was I in your place. Well, that's just it, Ethan. I I never realized what I've been missing all these years. What are you talking about? I want to
3: tell you that I wouldn't give up living with Aunt Em for all the gold in California. In the first place, she's the finest cook that ever lived. Why, her hot biscuits alone is enough to make your mouth water. And that isn't the half of it. She takes care of all my clothes. You know, I, I can put on a clean pair of socks every day if I have a mind to do it. No. A clean pair every single day if I want to. But the best part of it is that, that I'm not lonely anymore. Gosh, it sure is nice to have somebody to talk to and to play casino with in the evenings. Huh? Of course, I know none of this sounds appealing to you, Ethan, but... Gosh, I, I sure hope I never have to go back to living alone. Well,
4: uh, see you later. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll be seeing you, Britt.
5: Britt, you forgot to get a wick for the
3: lamp. Oh, yes, guess I did. Well, it sort of slipped my mind.
5: You sure aren't much good at remembering things. Oh, well, I'll go back up town and pick one up. It'll only take me. Oh, another. never mind. Never mind. We can do without until tomorrow. Better get your hands
3: washed, son. Supper'll be ready in a little bit. Yes, ma'am. Uh, by the way, I I had a little chat with Ethan Green River this afternoon. That's nice. You know, he, he I kind of feel sorry for him. He, he, living alone, nobody'd care whether he comes or goes, and all that.
5: Well,
3: by his own choice, I'm sure.
5: Uh, yeah, well, uh, okay. uh, I. Don't, I was just thinking,
3: maybe we could have him over to supper one night.
5: Oh. Well, now, Britt, I'm not as young as I used to be, and getting on food for company, that, that's kind of an effort. Oh, well, but it wouldn't have to be anything special.
3: And besides, it might be nice for you and Ethan to sort of get together, uh, to sort of uh, a little get a little better acquainted. And...
5: You don't think I'd so much as look at another man after your Uncle George, do you? I'm surprised. Oh, no, no, I,
3: I didn't mean anything like that. Well, oh, I, mean, I should hope not. Oh, no, 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 no. No, the fact is, Ethan is kind of spoken for in a way. You don't say. Oh, that. yes, oh, yes, yes. Maud Hinsdale. She's got her eye on him.
5: Hinsdale?
3: Hinsdale, yes. You know, the, the soprano on the church choir, the screeching one. Oh. Oh, yes, yes. yes. It come to think of it, somebody was telling me Maud was sort of worried about you when you first showed up, and she was afraid another widow might give her some competition for Ethan. And she's been having trouble enough, him as it is, you know. Well,
5: she needn't have concerned herself.
3: Oh, she's not concerned now. Not since she's seen you. What? No, at least that's the story I got. Well...
5: For Maud Hinsdale's information, I've had plenty of chances to remarry since your uncle passed on. Oh, sure you have.
3: I, I'm sure you have.
5: And now that you mention it, tomorrow night might be a very good time to have Mr. Green River over for supper. I was planning on chicken and dumplings, and there'll be plenty for three.
3: Well, now, you're sure you it won't mean too much work for you? Oh,
5: what's a little work for it. This is your home as much as it is mine. Your friends are always welcome.
3: Oh, fine, fine. I know that's, that's real generous of you.
4: Oh, I won't be able to eat again for a month of Sundays, Miss Bancroft. That's there is to do it. Oh, now,
5: Mister Greenbush, the there's another whole apple pie we haven't even touched. Uh, I thought with two strong, healthy men like you, one pie wouldn't be near enough. Oh, no,
4: please, not another mouthful. Oh, well, uh, if
5: you're absolutely certain I can't tempt you to more of anything, I guess I might as well clear uh, uh, off the table. Uh, can I help you, Anna? Why, Fritz, you know I don't like anybody in my kitchen. You two just go in the parlor and enjoy yourselves. I'll be along in a minute. Uh,
4: Yes, Sir Britt. You wasn't exaggerating one little bit. And, of yours just about the finest cook I ever come across. Ah, it's my nice of you to say
3: that, <laughs> Ethan, considering that this is just a sort of a plain, ordinary run-of-the-mill supper. It's about like what we get every night. No. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Oh, Sunday dinner, now,
4: there. That's when she really puts herself out. Oh, dear. Oh, and yes, then... that's Sunday. Yeah, well, let's see, um... You don't suppose you can manage to get me an invite to one of her Sunday meals, do you, Britt? Mm, no, I don't know. Oh, now, no, look, Britt, I'd sure appreciate
3: it. I, yeah, uh, I... Well, I can't promise anything, but I'll do my best.
2: Well,
3: for the next ten days or so, Ethan was practically a steady boarder at Aunt Emma's. And he sure did put it away, too. Aunt Emma didn't seem to mind. She said she liked to see a man enjoy his food, and Ethan more than obliged her. I tried to leave them alone as often as I could, but as far as I could tell, their friendship just didn't seem to be progressing past the dining room table. Uh, looked like I'd just have to sort of give Ethan a little touch of spur. So, one evening after bear and sauerkraut while... Aunt out in the kitchen doing the dishes. Oh, you got to let my belt out another notch. That's all there is to uh, it. Uh, <coughs> uh, Ethan. Yeah? Uh, uh, there's something I've been meaning to ask you. You're right ahead, Bruce. Well, now, ahead. you know I'm Aunt Emma's only relative. Uh-huh. In Powder Creek, that is. Yeah. Uh, she's sort of my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what I'm getting at is your intentions...
4: My what? Your, your intentions about Emma. Oh oh, oh, oh I I see what you're driving at now, Britt. Uh, well, you don't have anything to worry about. I don't? No, no. I, I won't deny I'm real fond of Emma, and it's more than just a cooking, too. Under other circumstances, well, I, I might even consider asking her to marry me. Other circumstances? Yeah, well, you, you told me how you'd feel if anything happened to upset this little home you've got here, and... I'd be the last man in the world to cause you any misery, Britt. Why, you're one of my closest friends. Now, now, just hold on here a minute. Now, David. look, but you can take my word for it. You and Emma can live on here together just as long as you've a mind to. And I won't do a thing to interfere. But I'd like you to interfere. Huh? I, if,
3: if you want to marry Aunt Emma and she wants to marry you,
4: you'd be doing me a favor. No. No, Britt, I just won't let you make such a sacrifice. A sacrifice? Yes, that's just what it is, a sacrifice. All right, Ethan.
3: You can believe whatever you like, but I've made up my mind. I'm not staying here in Powder Creek. I'm heading back to the bar Y the first thing in the morning, and after I'm gone, Aunt Em will be all alone here, all alone, unless you plan to do something about it. (music) Well, I guess I really wouldn't have gone through with it, leaving that end, I mean. But I was pretty sure that Ethan really liked her. And all he needed was a little prod. Well, uh, a big prod. Anyhow, I got Scar out of the barn and rode around for an hour or so. But when I came back to the house, Ethan's buggy was gone. Uh, Oh. Maybe maybe he hadn't proposed at all, or maybe she turned him down. Well... Only one way to find out, and that's go inside.
5: What happened to you, Bridge? Oh,
3: well, I, I just wanted to give Scar a chance to stretch his leg. Oh. oh.
5: I thought maybe you were giving Ethan a chance to propose to me.
3: Uh, he asked you to marry him? Well,
5: that was the general idea.
3: I see. Uh, you, uh, turned him down, huh?
5: Is that what you thought I'd do? Well,
3: I was afraid you... Were... I mean, I... Uh... I I figured you'd be worried about what would happen to me. That was all. I...
5: I'm not the least bit worried about what will happen to you, Britt Ponsett. Why? Why, I've known since the first week you moved in here that it just wouldn't work out. It's clear as day that you and that horse of yours aren't going to be happy unless you're roving around somewhere, bedding down without a roof over your head. Oh, I saw those blankets of yours on the floor... I know how you've been sleeping. Well, yes. I... Yes, I... it appears to me that there are some men who take to be and looked after and cared for, and there are some who just don't. Huh. That's why I agreed to marry Ethan.
4: You accepted him?
5: Of course I did. <sighs> He's the kind of man who'll take to be and looked after.
3: Well, I hope you're right, Aunt Em. I sure hope you're right. You're... know she was? She was 100% right? Why, the next time I came through Powder Creek to visit Aunt Em and and, uh, Uncle Ethan, well, well, sir, he was just about the most married man I ever saw. And so, help me, he seemed to enjoy it, too. Of course, maybe when I'm his age, uh, well, well, I guess I'd don't need to start worrying about it now.
2: The
1: Sick Shooter is a transcribed NBC Radio Network production in association with Review Productions. It is based on a character created by Frank Burt and is written by him. Mr. Stewart may currently be seen in the Universal International Picture, The Glenn Miller Story. Others in the cast were Eleanor Audley and William Johnstone. Special music for this program was by Basil Adlam, and the entire production is under the direction of Jack Johnstone. All characters and incidents were fictitious, and any resemblance to actual characters or incidents is purely coincidental. By the way, you'll be interested in knowing that the sick shooter has been chosen for broadcast to our men overseas through the facilities of the Armed Forces Radio Services. This is John Wall speaking. Tonight, play Truth or Consequences with Ralph Edwards on the NBC Radio Network.
6: And now, Autolite and its 60,000 dealers and service stations present... Suspense! Tonight,
7: Autolite brings you the Academy Award nominee, Miss Jane Wyman, in a dramatization of the outstanding mystery novel, Catch Me If You Can. A suspense play produced and directed by Anton M. Leader.
6: Friends, have you actually tried them, those dandies, those dillies, down the dales and up the hillies wide gap auto light resistor spark plugs? Well, by Cornelius, do. Prove to yourself that wide gap auto light resistor spark plugs actually make your car idle smoother, give you better performance with leaner gas mixtures, save you gas dollars, and cut down interference with radio and television reception. My, oh, my, if you want to see a satisfied, smiling guy, switch to auto light resistor spark plugs. Only the Autolite Company offers car and truck owners everywhere their sensational advantages. So head for your nearest Autolite dealer and replace old narrow gap spark plugs with wide gap Autolite resistor spark plugs. Remember, be right with Autolite. And now, Autolite
7: presents Jane Wyman in a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Let me tell you...
8: Let me talk as long as I can. It's my last chance to explain about Phil and all the trouble I had afterwards. Phil got me into this mess the night he died. I sat near his bed, waiting for him to fall asleep, and he said...
9: Margot, was there anything in that milk you gave me tonight?
8: Well, of course, darling. Dr. Landers prescribed it. A sedative.
9: Oh? You're a beautiful woman, Margot. Very beautiful. Yes. Yes.
8: He was taking so long to fall asleep. It was already after three in the morning. I listened to the wind. Phil and I were all alone, stuck in that godforsaken mountain inn... ever since he fell ill just before Labor Day. There we were, 10,000 feet above sea level. Not a soul for miles. The fall season was over and all the other guests were gone. And even Joe, who owns the inn, had gone down to Leadfield to get his winter supplies. I shivered, thinking of the dark, ragged, lonesome mountains outside, and Phil opened his eyes again.
9: You're a good actress, Margot. Better off the stage than you were on, I expect. But I know you're fed up with our marriage. Have been ever since I became ill.
8: I haven't complained, Phil.
9: No, it wouldn't fit the part. But you feel trapped out here in Colorado, don't you? You'd rather be in New York. I wonder, Margot, those pills you put on my lunch tray last week, they weren't my regular vitamin pills... Maybe you want your freedom and my money enough to poison me.
8: Don't be ridiculous, Phil.
9: Well, anyway, I didn't take them. I hid them (gasps) with a note saying that you tried to give them to me. Then I called a friend of mine long distance, an old friend. Who? A detective named Rocky Rhodes. Rocky and I both stayed at this inn one summer. And what did you tell this Rocky? Never mind what I told him. Just remember, he's due here tonight or in the morning.
8: A detective. Phil, you're a fool.
9: I want a divorce, Margot. You do? Yes, without any strings. Those pills are Exhibit A if they're poison.
8: Blackmail. Phil, darling, if you want a divorce, you can have it without threatening me.
9: You'll sign the papers tomorrow?
8: Of course, darling. I only want to make you happy. But now go to sleep, Phil. You need a good rest. Go to sleep. I stroked his forehead and the sedatives finally took effect. His breathing became very heavy and even. I looked at him and thought he was smart not to take those pills. Ah, but not smart enough. He shouldn't have told me about that detective. He thought he was protecting himself and that I wouldn't dare do anything now. Ah, but he was wrong because I had to now. I couldn't afford to wait and lose everything when he divorced me. And besides, I'd find those pills in the letter before the detective got here. There was practically no risk the way I'd planned it this time. Outside, it had started to rain, a heavy downpour, and the only other sound in the world was Phil's breathing. I picked up the extra pillow and put it down carefully, carefully over his face. He didn't move. I pressed the pillow down on the side so that no air could get in, no air at all, and held it there a long time. Once the pillow shook a little when Phil's head moved once there was a gurgling sound and that was all when I lifted the pillow and took it back in its place the job was done everything I ever wanted money and freedom was right in my hands Phil was dead dead of a heart attack Dr. Landers would say oh but wait a minute unless someone found those pills with the note from Phil Phil hadn't died of poison so I was safe There would be questions, questions I didn't want to have asked. I had to find those pills myself. I started to search. First, the pillow under Phil's head. Mm, No. Then the nightstand beside his bed. And the desk under the window. No. Where could he have hidden it? After all, the bell... Could it be Phil's detective already? Rocky? Rocky Roads? Oh, I'll have to be very careful. Just a minute. I'm coming. Just a minute. Yes? Well, don't stand there. It's raining in.
10: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Uh. I think I'm lost. I'm looking for Pineview Lodge. Well, you
8: are lost. This is Fisherman's Net.
10: Yes, I know. I saw the sign.
8: It's, uh, it's closed for the winter.
10: Well, could you put me up?
8: The manager's away. There's only me and my husband.
10: Well, the luck of the Irish. I meet a beautiful blonde, and she's married every time. You wouldn't turn me out in this storm. I'm soaking wet.
8: I'm afraid I... Oh, please,
10: I... just tonight in the morning, I'll get my bearings.
8: Well, if, it, if it's only for one night. Yes,
10: that's all. Thank you. Oh... What a vacation. Where are you from? Chicago, newspaper man. My name is Mike Sheldon.
8: How do you do, Mr. Sheldon? I'm Mrs. Weatherby. How do
10: you do? Uh, where do I bunk? Upstairs?
8: Yes, you can take the trout room. Every room is named for a different kind of fish. It's the second room on the right from the top of the stairs.
10: Thank you. It's great of you to let me stay.
8: Would you like some hot
10: coffee? Well, fine, it's no trouble. Oh,
8: well, not at all. I was going to make some for myself.
10: I can use some, all right.
8: No! No, wait! What? No, not that room! No! What's
10: wrong, Mrs. Weatherby? Well,
8: I said, I said the second door on the right. The salmon room, not the trout room. I made a mistake. Forgive me, but this is my husband's room and he's not well. I was afraid you'd wake him up. Oh, that was bad, very bad. Making a slip like that in front of Phil's detective, Rocky Rhodes... Because, of course, Mike Sheldon was Rocky Rhodes. Who else could he be? And I had to find those pills before he did and started making trouble. Before I could get back to the search, two more unexpected guests popped in at Fisherman's Net. A small, dapper man with a black mustache and slick black hair.
11: But I'm Charlie Miller. I got a reservation here, and I'm staying, sister.
8: But the manager is away. He didn't mention any reservations. You oh, he
11: must have forgot, then. I made it by telephone from K.C. That is, I mean, I asked a friend of mine to make it.
8: Was it, Phil? Was Charlie Miller Rocky Rhodes? Oh, he couldn't be a detective. He was too stupid. No, no, Mike Sheldon was Rocky Rhodes. There was a girl with Charlie Miller. I thought she was Mrs. Miller. No,
12: I'm Susan Quinn. Mr. Miller and I met on the bus.
11: Yeah, and we were great pals right off. I I call her Susie Q. You get it? Yes.
12: (laughs) But the
8: initials on your suitcase are SR, Miss Quinn.
11: Oh, well,
12: I borrowed my sister Sheila's suitcase. Sheila Riley... She's married. Sheila and I always borrow each other's things.
8: Was it true? Or was her name Susan Rhodes, nicknamed Rocky Rhodes? Things are getting more complicated every minute. Two men had arrived, and Sheldon seemed the most like a detective. It was too late for me then to go on hunting for the pills. It was morning. In case questions were asked later, I had to be able to say I had done what a wife with a sick husband ought to do. I had to take Phil his breakfast on a tray.
11: Well, Mrs. W., hey, you're an early bird. Here, let me help
8: you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Miller. This is my husband's breakfast. If you'll open the door. Sure
11: thing. There you are. Thank you.
8: Phil. Phil, dear.
11: I brought you. (gasps) Something wrong, Mrs. W.? My husband. He looks... He looks... Uh, uh, anything I can do? Say, oh. uh, he does look pretty green at that. Mr. Weatherby. Hey, Mr. W... We- oh. Oh. You'd, you'd better sit down, Mrs. Weatherby. It uh, looks to me like your husband has passed away.
7: Oh, no! No, no,
11: no. Here, now. Just sit down. All
7: right,
11: now. You just cry on Uncle Charlie's shoulder do you good.
10: You're you're very kind. Well... Good morning.
11: Oh, say, uh, Sheldon, uh, got a little trouble here. Trouble? Mrs. Weatherby? Well, her husband's passed away in his sleep, (laughs) it looks like.
8: I brought his breakfast. I thought he was asleep, and... Will you... Will somebody phone Phil's doctor? Dr. Landers and Salisbury Gap?
10: Well, of course, but... uh...
8: Excuse me, I'm... I'm afraid I'd better go to my
12: room. (laughs)
8: Miss Weatherby. Oh, Miss Quinn.
12: What happened? Have I been asleep? When you got to your room, you fainted. I still feel rather faint. I brought you some brandy. Could you drink a little? Not now. I couldn't. Where's Mr. Miller and Mr. Sheldon? They're moving your husband's body. No, they mustn't. Well, Dr. Landis told Mike to on the phone... The rain turned to snow during the night, and he won't be able to get here because of the storm. Not until the snowplow gets through. So he thought it best we put Mr. Weatherby... Not
8: outdoors?
12: No. There's a hillside cellar out back. Oh, yes.
8: What else did Dr. Landis say about Phil?
12: He said it must have been a heart attack. Oh. And that you have nothing in the world with which to reproach yourself. He's sure you did everything you could.
7: For Suspense, Autolite is bringing you Miss Jane Wyman in radio's outstanding theater of thrills Suspense.
6: Look at that stack of valentines. Well, quite a pile, child. In fact, flocks will come. Oh, no, they're not for me. They're valentines to Autolite resistor spark plugs. Oh. Listen to this one. You've won my heart with your kisses and your hugses and a set of Autolite resistor spark plugses. How's that eh? Uh, ah, the spark of love. Why, sure. Everybody loves Autolite wide gap resistor spark plugs. Replace your narrow gap plugs with these beauties to make your car idle smoother. Give better performance with leaner gas mixtures. Actually save gas dollars. Now, here's a valentine that's right in line. Oh, valentine, will you be mine, and will you make me happy? Put Autolite resistor spark plugs in my car, help make it smooth and snappy. Boy, that's hitting on all six. Well, naturally. Here's another valentine that touches this old heart of mine. Oh, autolight resistor spark plugs, with me you are a fixture. You help my car run smoother far and go on lean gas mixture. <laughs> Say, Arnold, that's the best yet. Uh, but uh, right now, here's suspense. And now, Autolite
7: brings back to our Hollywood soundstage Miss Jane Wyman as Margot in Catch Me If You Can, a tale well-calculated to keep you in suspense. I kept
8: up my act all that day, and I didn't overplay it. I'm not the type for floods of tears, so I adopted a wan, gentle sadness, which made the others think me very brave. But all the time, there were two things on my mind, driving me crazy... Who was Rocky Rhodes, And where had Phil hidden the pills? And I couldn't hunt for them. Somebody was always in my room fussing over me. Finally, in the late afternoon, I managed to get away. I just started to look through Phil's clothes when...
10: Oh, here you are. I was looking for you. No snowplow get through here today. I'll just have to put up with Charlie Miller's jokes another evening. Are his jokes that bad? Well, you heard him ragging Susan, calling her Susie Q.
8: Oh, nicknames... Lots of people have the nickname Habit. My husband had a friend named Rhodes. He nicknamed Rocky Rhodes.
10: It's a change from Dusty Rhodes, at any rate. By the way, where are you from? Boston. Why do you ask? Oh, just idle curiosity. You know what they say about
8: curiosity. Would you excuse me, please? I was going over my husband's things. Yeah, go
10: right ahead. I'll just uh, keep you company. Looking for something?
8: No. I want a pack. So I can leave as soon as possible. I want to get back to New York.
10: I don't blame you. Need any help?
8: No, thank you. As a matter of fact, I... Would you mind? I'd rather be alone.
10: No, no, it's not good for you to be alone. I'll just stay here and keep you company. Nosy. Did you say something? No, I... Here's a book of Oscar Wilde's. Uh, Why don't I read to you while you work? Let me see. Did your husband own all these shoes? He did. Wealthy man, apparently. How nice for you. Now, how about some poetry? (sighs) Let's, uh, let's try this one. The poor dead woman whom he loved and murdered in her bed. Shall I go on, Mrs. Weatherby?
8: But I couldn't let Sheldon unnerve me. I had to keep cool. I went on packing and he went on reading on and on endlessly... About blood and poor prisons and hangings. While I tried not to miss anything of Phil's, I had to have those pills. An hour later in my room, I knew I didn't have them, but Rocky Rhodes didn't have them yet either. Otherwise he would have said something. But the pills didn't have to be in Phil's room. Which one was Rhodes, Miller or Sheldon? I would have to find out by elimination. After dinner that night, I went into the main parlor. And Charlie Miller grabbed me and danced me over to the fire. Ah, here
11: you are, Mrs. W. Now, you just sit right here and have a highball, see? And we'll have a nice little cozy chat with little old Charlie.
8: Oh, you're so formal, Charlie. Call me Margot.
11: Margot? I'll bet your mother called you Maggie. You thought up Margot to use on the stage. On
8: the stage? How did you know I was an actress? This was the clue I'd been looking for. Oh,
11: a guy with my experience can always tell. You can? Sure. And I know how you actresses operate. You all take different monikers. I'll bet you were great, baby. Oh, I wasn't very good. There was only one
8: way that Miller could have known about my being on the stage. From
11: film. You weren't very good. (laughs) I know different, baby. So what if you only played Tank Towns? I sure wish I'd seen you.
8: You didn't miss much, really. Tank Towns. That was Phil's story, all right. Miller was Rocky Roads, and he was just drunk enough to handle. Hey,
11: look, how about you and me going up to my room where we can be alone, oh, huh? That wouldn't
8: look right, Charlie. We could go out and sit in my car. It's in the garage.
11: Got a heater?
8: And a radio. The hotel radio's broken. We can say that's why we're going, to listen to the music.
11: Wonderful. Hey, you're a wonderful little woman, Maggie, full of ideas. little wagon baby but this front seat is so full of steering wheel oh let's get in the
2: back
8: oh it doesn't heat as well in the back
11: how about a drink you first okay right out of the bottle oh boy this is what i call living music plenty of bourbon and a beautiful blonde never saw such a beautiful blonde gonna give charlie a kiss Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Sweeter than molasses. Let's get warm enough now, baby. Plenty warm. Could turn off that heater.
8: I'm still a little cold, Charlie. Huh? Just stay close to me. <sighs> In a minute, we'll turn it off. <sighs> then slowly, he sagged against me, and his head fell on my shoulder, and when I pushed him away, he fell forward against the steering wheel. <gasps> Heard that? Oh. oh, I, I gotta get out of here before it gets me too. Oh. I kept on my feet, going around the car. I, I was dizzy and getting numb. Then a few feet from the garage door, I keeled over. For a minute or more, I could move, and then I crawled toward the door. It took forever to get there. I opened the door somehow, pushed it shut, and half fell out and lay in the snow, breathing the clean air, thanking my lucky stars I'd been smart enough not to drink. That's why it got Charlie sooner, because he was drunk. I looked at my watch and decided to wait 15 minutes. What a wonderful thing that carbon monoxide is. No smell, no nothing. It just creeps up on you. In 15 minutes, Charlie Miller, alias Rocky Rhodes, would be good and dead. (laughs) He was dead, all right. When they found us, they carried me into the house and gave me a drink and put me to bed. I went right to sleep knowing Rocky Rhodes was dead. When I woke up, I remembered the car key. I had said Charlie started the car, but somebody might think to check the key for fingerprints and find mine. I put on a fur coat over my nightgown and ran all the way to the garage. I got in the car, reached for the keys, and they weren't there. Why? Why would anybody take my keys? And who would take them? Rocky Rhodes? No, he was dead. But was he? Had I killed the wrong man? I don't know how I ever got through
10: breakfast. That's too bad about Charlie, Margot. Stop worrying about it. It wasn't your fault. You look tired. You want to take a walk? Get some fresh air?
12: I I don't feel up to it. I was planning to go up to that lookout cabin on the peak.
10: No, no, no. I'm too lazy for that. I mean a short walk.
12: Is it a long climb, Mrs. Weatherby?
8: Long and steep, believe me. I only made it up there once. But my husband used to go there
10: often.
12: I guess a good climb will do me good. I think I'll try it alone. Bye. I'll be back before dark.
10: Bye. Be careful, Susan.
8: I didn't even hear her leave. I was thinking about Phil's walk to the lookout cabin There was where he'd hidden the pills I knew it I knew it in my bones Why hadn't I thought of it before? Oh, I'd have to hurry I couldn't let anyone find those pills except me I managed to get away from the men and slipped out by the back door without being seen A ladder goes up from the trail to the lookout door The door of the cabin stood open I climbed the ladder quietly and stepped in... and saw Susan on the other side of the room near the door to the balcony. She was holding an envelope attached to a card... and she was reading the card. And suddenly, definitely, I knew. Miss Rocky Rhodes, I presume.
12: Oh, Oh, you scared me, Mrs. Weatherby.
8: I see you found what you're looking for. The pills my husband hid. You want to know if they're really poisonous?
12: I I read this card... Is it some kind of a joke?
8: Oh, no, it's no joke. One of them would kill a man. But that's not what killed Phil. I smothered him with a pillow. You didn't know that, did you?
12: Oh, you shouldn't be telling me this.
8: Phil told me you were coming, but I was expecting a man. I never dreamed Rocky Rhodes was a woman.
12: Oh, you've mistaken me for someone else, really.
8: Oh, come off it. You're already responsible for Charlie Miller's death, coming here under an assumed name. I killed him because I thought he was Rocky Rhodes. You killed him?
12: Oh, no, you didn't. Oh, you're ill, Mrs. Weatherby. You're imagining... Stay where you are!
8: You think you'll get out of here alive? I wouldn't go out that door if I were you. You'd step right off into blank space. But you can't do these things. They'll catch you. Who? How? Those pills are the only evidence against me, and I'll destroy them as soon as you're gone. Will you... Stop! Stay where you are! You fool! What good does that do you, throwing them out? Watch where they fall. There. There. Right on the path. They'll stay there until I go down. But you've played your last card. I'm not going to waste any more time. Let go, Mrs. Weatherby. Let go. You're going over the edge, Susie. You're going to be another tragic
11: accident. No. Let go of that table, you fool. (laughs) Inch by inch we're getting there.
8: Now, out on the porch. I'll pull you over with me. Will you? you
12: really? Oh, someone's coming. Someone's climbing the trail. It's Mike. You're crazy.
2: Mike! Let's go down. Reeling. Let's stop it. stop
8: it. Stop it. I remember falling. Falling, then then a sharp pain. Then I don't remember anymore until I woke up here in the snow and found you bending over me. Who are you? Where did you come from?
13: I just came up from the village, Mrs. Weatherby. We know the whole story.
8: The whole story?
13: Now just take it easy, Mrs. Weatherby.
8: I I know. You must be a doctor. But doctor... They'll never hang me.
13: No, Mrs. Weatherby. They'll never hang you. You're dying now.
8: No. No, I I can't die. After all I've had to do to live. Where did Mike go?
10: I'm right here, Mrs. Weatherby.
8: Like a vulture waiting for me to die. You're Rocky Rhodes, aren't you, Mike?
10: No, Mrs. Weatherby.
8: You're lying. It has to be you. I killed Charlie, and he wasn't Rocky Rhodes. And Susan wasn't. You have to be. I I have to know. I have to kill Rocky, or I've done it all for nothing. Rocky Rhodes mustn't find those poison pills.
13: Your husband didn't die from poison, Mrs. Weatherby. So you would have been safe even if the pills were found.
8: But, but, Ro- Rocky Rhodes... None
13: of those people was Rocky Rhodes. Your own guilt made you suspicious of everything they did.
8: But there must be a Rocky... Phil said there was. There has to be a rocky
13: road.
10: Is she dead, Doctor?
13: I'm afraid she is.
10: And there I was being sorry for her, her husband being dead. Just think, she killed her husband and one of us and none of us would ever have known it if she hadn't told Susan all about it in the cabin. It was good of you to get here so fast, Doctor. Well, I'd have gotten
13: here sooner if it hadn't been for the blizzard. and Maybe none of this would have happened. By the way, I'm not a doctor, Mr. Sheldon. My name is Rhodes. Rocky Rhodes.
7: Thank you, Jane Wyman, for a splendid performance.
6: Miss Wyman, would you do me a favor?
8: I'd be glad to, Mr. Wilcox.
6: Would you autograph my script?
8: (laughs) Why, certainly. What shall I write?
6: Well, why not just write to ALRSP Wilcox from Jane Wyman?
8: ALRSP? What does that stand for? Auto
6: light resistor spark plugs.
8: Oh, of course. I should have known. (laughs) A plug for plugs. Why, sure. (laughs) Well, ALRSP it is. There. There. How's that?
6: Thank you. And did you know, Miss Wyman, that besides Autolite resistor spark plugs, Autolite makes over 400 other products for cars, trucks, airplanes, and boats in 28 Autolite plants from coast to coast. Autolite makes complete electrical systems for many makes of America's finest cars, batteries, generators, starting motors, coils, distributors, all ignition engineered to meet the highest standards of leading automotive engineers. So folks, tomorrow, treat your car to an expert motor tune-up. Visit your local Autolite service station listed in your classified telephone directory or the dealer who sells your make of car. And be sure to specify original factory parts. You're right with Autolite.
7: And now, in introducing again our star, Miss Jane Wyman, I wish also to extend to her, on behalf of our sponsor and all of us here on Suspense, our sincere congratulations on her nomination for the Academy Award for her splendid performance in the current Warner Brothers picture, Johnny Belinda, and to wish her the best of luck in balloting.
8: Thank you very much. And may I congratulate Suspense for being one of the top radio programs on the air, truly radio's outstanding theater of thrills.
7: Thank you, Miss One.
8: And I'll be listening next week when James Mason and his lovely wife Pamela Kellino appear in the Agatha Christie story, Where There's a Will. Another gripping study in...
6: Suspense. Tonight's Suspense play was adapted by Sylvia Richards... from the current best-selling mystery by Pat McGear. Music was composed by Lucian Moraweck... and conducted by Lud Gluskin. The entire production was under the direction of Anton M. Leader.
8: Autolite resistor spark plugs have been adopted... as original factory equipment... by six leading makes of cars and trucks... So, switch to auto light. Good night.
6: This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
0: That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. You can find more from the six-shooter suspense, past episodes of this podcast, all the other podcasts, and our shoutcast stream, all at relicradio.com. Don't forget to donate if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows. And thanks again to all who have, and thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back tomorrow with a new episode of Case Closed, and next Tuesday with another episode of the Relic Radio Show.